you awaken. The walls enclosing you are white cinder block. Fifty sets of eyes stare up at you. You turn to grab something, anything to appease the eyes that stare, but none of your resources are available. Does this sound like the start of a D&D campaign or the first day of school? The beginning of a new school year is here, guildmates, so we've got one more episode in our pop culture playground series. And in this episode, we are headed back to a time with big hair and demogorgons. So grab yourself some egos and turn on the Christmas lights because we are going to turn the end of your summer upside down with a Stranger Things themed episode. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild Pop Culture Playground. Our intention here is to have a little fun and continue bringing you some light, entertaining content for a non-stressful summer, but we also want to keep things related to our world of education, learning, teaming, while also having things be related to something entertaining, light, related to pop culture shows, movies, music, things like that. And to do that, we're going to play a game that this group absolutely loves, Six Degrees of Education, where we challenge ourselves to think about those topics that Emily mentioned, learning, leadership, teamwork, and making some connections between movies, television shows, which a lot of our pop culture playground is TV. You can tell we like to get Mm -hmm. to know characters, and music. And this group also loves and needs some norms to keep <laughs> ourselves on track. Otherwise, we go off the rails. Our first norm is keeping it under 20 minutes. It's a challenge. We do it. We try to do it or we fail miserably. Either way, we still like to state it. And then our second one, this one is for sure this episode. There are some big spoilers. So if you are a Stranger Things fan and you haven't finished this most recent season, you're going to want to make sure that you have at least heard or watched what you want to see with it before you listen to this episode, because we are going to be spoiling some big ones on this one. Yep. So for those of you who have not really binged seasons one through three since you've watched season four, just a little refresher for the general public out there. So Stranger Things takes place in Indiana, Hawkins, Indiana, specifically in the 1980s. And it's about a group of young friends who witnessed some really crazy supernatural stuff, portals opening, getting sucked into alternative dimensions, having secret government programs, this core group of kids trying to search for answers, understand what's going on, working together, and unraveling this really dark series of mysteries. And we are coming to you from our new studio recording, only new to us for the time being. We are on our podcast retreat, and so we are not recording from our Chicagoland area, but we're all housed in the same site right now, in separate rooms, of course, on screen. Because we're all on site together, we're trying to make sure that we have very little echoing, but maybe you hear that, or a rooster or two in the background, as you've heard if you've been listening to our other recordings. It all happened in one day, although we are going to release them over the course of the next couple of months. And on top of it, poor Casey why don't you tell everybody where you're at today and all of the recordings i was not slashed by the mind flayer the voice that you are hearing is (laughs) a result of some sort of bronchitis really bad allergies not covid related that i can tell you after numerous tests so apologies for the dark and sinister sound of my voice but in this case it makes sense with this episode totally appropriate so let's just jump right in here and the first connection that we're looking to bring into the world of education here is the kids of stranger things 
Yeah. So this one, I'm so glad to kick this one off because when you think about really the the heart, I know in season four, Will says that it's Mike who's the heart of the story, but I would argue that the heart of this story lies in the kids. They are the ones who really are the driving force behind understanding what the big bad is of the season combating the big bad of the season, whether that is manifesting in 11, whether that's Nancy and Robin and Steve taking a shotgun and, and what is it? Molotov cocktailing Vecna. It ties into all resting under the agency of this really amazing group of students. As educators, we put ourselves in sometimes a position of being the wise old sage And let's be honest, when we back off, when we step away and let kids be that driving force in the classroom, that's when we really get to see what their strengths are. We get to see and provide them with an authentic space for them to collaborate. And that, to me, is the quintessential heart of Stranger Things. Adults getting out of the way because they don't know as much as this amazing group of kids. Yeah, I'm going to just go right after you because I've got the same one that you had. One of my favorite scenes, the cops are at the house and they're interrogating, what's her name, Max. But the parents are like, oh, where are the other kids? They're just up in their bedroom, like goofing around. or And literally, they're like figuring out the problem while all the adults are in the way. Yeah, <laughs> They're literally in the way and they're not able to listen to these kids and what all that they know. And so it's the same connection you have there, Casey. The magic happens when we get out of the way. We have to be willing to relinquish some control to kids so that we can see what they really know, not what we know. I'm going to yes and because I absolutely agree with that. We need to step out of the way and do this. And I'm also going to throw in the power of collaboration because these kids don't win on their own. They show up in different combinations. They collaborate in different groups or subgroups. The kids that start out teaming the original four at the beginning, then they bring in 11, then they shift their groups, and now Erica can come along. And there's all these different changes in dynamics with these kids, and the adults do need to stay out of the way and let them learn. But their willingness to collaborate with each other and find success and win their battles by way of collaborating when they tackle these really intense problems really speaks to how powerful collaboration can be as a way of helping students push forward when they have to be in control of their learning. Way to make it different. Mm -hmm. Amen. I'm nothing if not one to step out of bounds here and again. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so let's keep rolling. That was a good connection. Let's now just talk about the general sense of nostalgia that you find in this Duffer Brothers show. I'll go ahead and kick this one off too. This whole series is a love letter to this period of time, but also to, we'll get to this part later, to the genre itself. Just for example, we talked about the kids a moment ago. They remind me of the Scooby Gang. Each of them connects with one of those characters. You've got references to Friday the 13th with Victor Krill being played by, I forget the actor's name. Robert England, right? Robert England, Freddy Krueger. You've got the Jason mask that Max wears several times throughout the season. And to me, this is reminiscent of retrieval practice, bringing back the things that really stuck into people's minds and leveraging those, remixing those in a new way. 
way, calling them forth. We as educators need to leave time and space to engage students in retrieval practice through giving them little exit tickets or entrance tickets, giving them opportunities to talk about what they remember so they can build on whatever their learning targets are. Dude, you just said it way better than I could, so I'm going to make mine really short. Very similar thing, which was anchoring it in familiarity. Even how if you look at their opening title, the font that they use is the same as like the font in Stephen King novels from the 80s. Just anchoring new learning or new experiences in a place of familiarity to push forward with learning. But that is very tied into retrieval practices. So I'll let that stand. Absolutely. The 80s are classic for a reason. And of course, we are products of the 80s, all three of us. And so we are biased, no doubt. However, it is important to point out that because we have some kind of connection to the 80s, And when these creators have put in these little nuggets for those retrieval practices, we connect so much more. And that, I believe, is what makes this such a great show, the depth of it. And when we think of what that could mean in education terms, we want to have kids and students and all learners connecting. So what can we do to connect the dots to something that matters to you to make you really truly authentically engaged, not just compliant? And honestly, that's what we do here at the Guild all the time is we're trying to make connections to make the learning easier, the retrieval easier, but then also to make it enjoyable and fun. I love it. Okay, so the next one, a lot of times we zero in on an individual character and not saying we won't, but this is actually more of a relationship or a dynamic between a couple characters that we're going to look at for connection here. And that is that between Steve and Dustin, who I love them both. Sorry. Harrington and Henderson. I always mix them up. Love it. I can kick this one off. When I think about Steve and Dustin, I think about really good mentorship pairing. Dustin looks up to Steve Steve takes Dustin under his wing. He respects him. Their relationship becomes very much a peer relationship. He doesn't talk down to him. He helps him in ways that are really good for Dustin. And he also allows Dustin to push him too. Steve gets smarter and more well-rounded once he starts taking Dustin and the other kids under his wing. That is a indicative to me of a really solid mentorship dynamic between those two. I'd go with the angle of leadership and Steve in the first season is just in an a-hole. Yeah, he <laughs> just, sucks. Especially early on. Like you just don't like him and how his character arc has changed into such an endearing one that people just really connect with and really care about. And I think a lot of that has to do with what Emily just mentioned, but also that idea of as soon as he looked outside of himself and started taking care of in essence, or serving others or being a part of this group is when he really began to shine and become his own. Even Nancy talks about Steve to Jonathan, actually, by saying he's changed. He's grown up a lot. You grow into your leadership capacity when you look beyond yourself. And Emily, you had mentioned mentorship. I would go even further. This is reciprocity. When we talk yes, about I coaching, you would say that <laughs> at its finest, because As much as Dustin is just a flat out dork, Steve's jockiness, they really do like 
balance each other out. Oh yeah, that's great. Able to move forward. And because Steve really understands that Dustin is the expert in this world, he's able to see the plan and execute the plan that Dustin really streamlines and heads forth into. So yeah, I'm really seeing reciprocity when it comes to an instructional coaching environment. Slam dunk, Veach. All right, let's move on. This time we are going to talk about an individual character, Chief Hopper. So what are some connections we have here? Like Hop used to be a character that I just could not stand. And over the last couple of episodes, as we were doing some research for this, I really got a sense for him being the wise sage archetype that we typically see in a hero's journey story. There's so many quotes that he has that are important for us and connect with our guild. So for example, we in this guild jokingly say, mornings are for coffee and contemplation. It just makes me giggle when I read it. But ultimately, as I'm thinking about his one-liner zinger quotes, one thing that sticks out is the following. So nothing is going to go back to the way it was. Not really, but it'll get better in time. This is a hopper golden nugget. When we look at where we have been as educators for these last two years and change happened, our world was kind of ripped apart. Our students' worlds, our classrooms were just turned upside down in a lot of ways. And it's all about how can we reimagine, how can we reinvent the work we do to still be meaningful without losing our souls as educators. That was super deep. Mine was a little bit different, probably not as deep at all, but I was looking at the importance of making and forging relationships with veterans who might be a little bit stuck in their ways. I think of him at the beginning of the series as somebody who's just there, but phoning it in. He's not a very good police chief at the beginning, but a couple of key characters make a point to connect with him, primarily Eleven, and throughout his relationship, his adoption, and then his parenting of her, he really opens himself back up to human experiences and to new learning of his own. And he's not just there as a sage for the kids. I think he has his own hero's journey again at a time that he would never expect to really be growing anymore. And it all comes from this openness to connection that he allows himself to have. And so when I think about people who might not seem like they're open to learning or they're at that point of their career where they might be ready to take on something new, to consider what we can learn from them and how we can reach or connect with them to bring that about without being heavy-handed about it. Yep. And I think this speaks to the power of that connection, Emily, that you're talking about, finding himself in... (laughs) in prison, where he's trying to get back to helping everyone in Hawkins, but he's got to find himself out of there. But what keeps him from breaking is the connections that he has to get back to Joyce, to get back to Eleven. And that just goes to show the importance of the connections that we foster, collegial connections or within the classroom. We always say relationships matter. This is evidence to that point right there. Yeah. All right. So the next one, this is kind of funny for those of you who can't see us, which is everyone. Casey and I are both really in shadow on the video that we can see of each other and Jenny's in the light. So Casey and I are joking that we're in the upside down right now. So let's talk about the upside down. 
to start, I'm going to talk about what the upside down creates and then make my connection from there. So for those of us who are completely up to date, we know that we have essentially three big bads that have come out of this really dark and twisted version of our current reality. We have the Demigorgon, the Mind Flayer, and then we have Vecna. And for the first part of season one, there is a beautiful way that the hint to the big bad or the big dark of the Demigorgon, and no one believes Joyce. Her son has gone missing. No one believes her. No one thinks this alternative dimension exists. It's why Eddie in the last season won't tell anybody what he saw happen to Chrissy because he is afraid that no one is going to believe him. For many of us, even outside of education, are experiencing a bit of gaslighting in their work environments. And I think the upside down is a reflection of what happens when we don't believe those people who have experienced trauma, whether that's organizational trauma, whether that's personal trauma. It's what can happen when we shove that pain into the shadows and don't trust and validate what people are experiencing. So I'm going to go in a different direction with Please this one do. with the upside this, down. I, I went dark. I went dark and deep. Well, it is the upside down. So it only <laughs> is fitting. I'm thinking along the lines of Max in season four. This is not the first time any of the kids or anybody that we've watched, they willingly go into the upside down now. They know how to get in and out with these gates. There's the water gate, which I think is a hilarious reference yeah. that yeah. Dustin makes. But when I think of Max, she, spoiler again, willingly going into the upside down, but in a different way, she's going to go in to the mind game. Yeah. Right? What she does is, and how she describes how she's going to, in essence, Trap pull Vecna, off bait Ve- Vecna, Vecna, yeah, and then how she's going to hide from him is finding the light. And so Casey bouncing off the darkness that you're talking about there, she's literally saying, I am going to find the memories that have the light. I'm going to find the pieces of my existence, my memories that are going to keep me healthy and sane. And so that just goes to more of that self-awareness, self-care, and being willing to do the inner work necessary to be your healthiest version of yourself, which I won't get into the details. Go watch it for yourself. In essence, that's what she's doing there is to keep herself as healthy as she can to fight off this big bad. I'm not going to change much because what you've both said has been really, I would say, eye-opening to me. While I might have had something to say, oh yeah, darkness, that that was was a lot deeper than I was prepared to go, but I really, really like that you did. I was actually just going to mention that it reminds me of either the beginning of design thinking or problem-based learning, that the upside down is the problem, and that all of us as designers... need to figure out how to address that problem and while the face of it shifts like you said from the demigorgons to the mind flayer to vecna the key to unlocking that problem is always shifting just like problems will always exist in our world but when you talk about what you did at the beginning with the kids being really key to unlocking solutions it's this idea of putting kids in control of problem solving and looking at big, important, and relevant problems and seeing all the incredible things that they are capable of. 
way to bookend it, but we still have another degree. That yes, would have been a nice way to round yeah. it out. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not done. All right. So yeah. <laughs> this one is speaking more to the generalities of Stranger Things, just like with the nostalgia. But this time we're going to talk about genre shifting. So we're thinking about how this show can bounce around from being kind of a sci-fi show to a drama. I would argue even comedy here and there. Yeah. Uh, thriller, horror, like all of these different genres exist within the scope of this show. What does that remind us of in education? Like I said earlier, the very first season, you don't see what the big bad is, at least until the very, very end. They tease it out. They really live in that thriller and suspense space. And the beautiful thing is, if you recall, these kids were literally kids when the show was Mm -hmm. first created. Mm -hmm. And as the seasons have progressed, so has the spook factor, the horror adapted and grown with them. This is indicative of rigor. Rigor doesn't necessarily mean harder. It just Mm -hmm. means you're adapting and providing challenge based on where the students are at. So it ties into that readiness we mentioned in a previous episode. So to me, the genres shifting and growth that this series does reflects the kind of rigor we need to infuse into our instruction when students are ready to do that. Love it. And since this kind of goes hand in hand with this and I can make it short, I'm just going to say I thought differentiation. We, the audience, are like the learners. We're the ones who are taking it in and they differentiate the tone of this show and the genre of this show even based on what they think will lead to the best entertainment value and storytelling for us, the audience, just like we do for our students. Love it. And I'm going in the coaching sphere and thinking about all the different hats that we need to wear, depending on the specific clientele we are working with and their needs. And so just like we have to shift from comedy to thriller to sci-fi, depending on what the storyline is asking of, or depending on the goal of the particular coaching session or cycle we're working in, that's an important job of a coach is to be able to genre shift in order to serve and do the real work. Awesome. All right, so we are over the line on our norms as per usual, so we're going to jump right into game time. (laughs) I'm going to do a quick explanation of this one because it can take a little bit of either knowledge of some of our previous episodes or just a particular game. So we're going to actually jump back into Milk, Margarita, and Malort game, which we have played before. (laughs) Shout out to Darshay and Zilly, our buddies who have played Milk, Margarita, Malort with us. But we are going to actually play it with characters of Stranger Things. Now, for those unacquainted with it, this is basically akin to the game with marriage, killing, and something spicy with three characters. We're not going to go there because family show, but what we are going to do instead of those three terms is we say milk for something that we like a lot of. We want it to be a staple. Margarita for something that would be great once in a while. And Malort for something that we just kind of kaput, don't need it anymore. Now what we're going to do it with is the gone too soon edition of characters. So in this one, milk would mean let's bring them back and make them core to the cast. Margarita would be be great if they're still alive and showed up here and there. And Malort would be, sorry, but this was meant to be. So the three characters in question here, team, are Barb, Bob Newby, and Eddie. 
Casey, what were you going to do for making this a game? To make this a game, the idea is to match. Can all three of us match given what we know of each other? And there is a specific reason that we have elected to do the gone too soon. And my guess is it would have been pretty dang obvious which one Casey would pick if we had included Steve Harrington, especially (laughs) with the flipping scene where he's got a ode to evil dead with the axe on his back. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. just thankful he's 30. It's less disgusting knowing that he's 30 <laughs> years old. Whatever, own it. Steve Harrington is the best. Stan I just Steve. want to rub my hands in his hair. It's so <laughs> gross. I just want to touch his hair. <laughs> it probably has so much Aquanet, Casey. All right. No so care. Now that we are sticking with the dearly departed Bob, Barb, and Eddie, Steve can just be awesome in his own still living world. Of those three, who wants to start? I'll go first. If we have any listeners that also haven't listened to our Milk Margarita Malort episodes and you are not a Chicago native, also wanted to just throw in there that Malort itself is a really, really, really horrible, disgusting drink that tastes like earwax or jet fuel or whatever. Every guest we talk to about it says something different for how bad it is and what it's like. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to throw that in there, but I will go for my pairing. I would say that my milk for sure is Eddie. I love Eddie. Let's bring him back. His last scene of the final episode is just epic 80s. I love how they go out in the battle, yeah. Battle of the Bands-esque type. Master of great. Puppets, so he, music mm-hmm. black. Yes, yes. Just to see yeah. what life would be like for Eddie after he returns. He's going to be a totally new guy. Yeah, I'm guessing Casey picked him for milk as well. (laughs) Yes. And do I go for the next one or do we keep going? Keep going. All right. Mine was Eddie too. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, oh, we're matching. (laughs) All right. So, my margarita would be Bob. I mean, come on, Bob. (laughs) Joyce's ex boyfriend. Well, not really ex. He kind of just gone too soon. He got eaten by a demogorgon right in front of our faces. That was season one or two. Two. Such a good guy. So nice. And gosh, I loved that they kept the 80s nostalgia because he was in Goonies, wasn't he? Yes. 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 That's Sean Astin. (laughs) Yes. So he's my margarita. We could have him come back here and there. So were you guys matches on that? Yep. 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 We did it. (laughs) Yeah. We did it. So then why don't you guys talk about why you would malort Barb? Let your justice for Barb campaign continue on Grounded Learners. (laughs) Guild, you can hashtag GLG pod chat that if you wish. But because she died in first season, it was kind of like Barb, we hardly you knew ye. Whereas I felt yeah. like these other characters were a little more fleshed out or rounded out. They were a little more advanced in their storytelling capabilities by the time yeah. she was already gone. And also, like you said, Eddie is so his relationships with the Hellfire Club and the mm-hmm. kids and the other nerds is like so awesome. And then Bob was just such a nice, sweet, self sacrificing awesome person the ends of bob and eddie really connect with some of the key characters and the key moments which make them more challenging to cast off i was one of the justice for barb i thought killing the girl with glasses was a little hurtful because that would have been me the redhead with glasses. (laughs) come on um it just so happened that unfortunately barb you are expendable compared to the other ones that i would love to bring back Yep. First season problems. Sorry, Barb. We would like justice for you as well, but this is a game and we have to play it. And guys, we matched. So what do we win? Yes. 
We win 14 sets of flickering light brights and Christmas lights that Steve Harrington delivers to our door. Hello. All right. Love it. And that's it for another GLG Minisode, Six Degrees of Education. A sincere thank you for joining us on this journey as we continue to advocate for adult learners and aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie, using the hashtag GLGPodChat. As usual, feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. That way, you'll be notified with a reminder when our newest episodes drop. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, on this mini-sode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting. And even though it's summer, do your best to stay grounded. <laughs>